0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 2,873. We're back to Obi-Wan Mondays, Obi-Monday, something like that. There are only two of them left before the premiere of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and today we're gonna talk about something that has just been released as part of the journey to Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you will, which is the first issue of the five-issue miniseries from Marvel Comics. Punch it. Hey, Ripple Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So this is the only issue of the five-issue miniseries that we're going to get before the premiere of Obi-Wan Kenobi on May 27th. The ending of the comic says that the next issue is coming out in June, so yeah, we're going to have to wait a little bit. And what we find out from this is that there's going to be basically a framing story where Obi-Wan is hanging out. Oh, by the way, this is a full spoiler episode, so we're just going to... You dive right in. There's your official warning. So Obi-Wan's hanging out, this is gonna be the framing story, it seems, across the five issues. And he is old Obi-Wan. So this is Obi-Wan just before the events of A New Hope for all intents and purposes. And he is contemplating the fact that a sandstorm is on the way. He's learned to sense it. And it's definitely a sandstorm, not any kind of rainstorm because it only rained once in (laughs) his time on Tatooine. And it was four days after he arrived there and it hadn't rained since. Now I was thinking about that in terms of the other comics that we looked at earlier in this Obi-Wan Monday series that we've been doing, like the ones where Luke discovered the journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I feel like there was another rainstorm situation, but you know what? I think we can be a little bit more lax, if you will, on the whole canon situation. I mean, you know, he may not remember that at that particular point in time, so you know, there are any number of explanations for whether there might be a conflict in that situation. So he battens down the hatches, and his EOpi whose name is Akani, A-K-K-A-N-I, it's, you know, kind of close to Anakin, I thought that was kind of interesting, is huddling down and turning away from the direction in which the storm is coming, so I guess the Eopie doesn't go inside. <laughs> during a storm. Anyway, so Obi-Wan decides to wait out the storm by working on his journal, and his journal entry for this particular issue is a thing called Youngling's Challenge, at least that's what the story is called in the comic, and so the particular story of what's happening in this issue is a reminiscence that Obi-Wan has about his time at the Jedi Temple, and somebody who was very important to him, a person by the name of Garen Rand, who is a young female Padawan and he was somebody that he was bunking with and very connected to they were both part of the same clan the Kaibuck clan and that's something that I didn't realize the clan situation I guess that had been introduced in Legends but it wasn't reintroduced in the new canon until Dooku Jedi Lost by Kevin Scott the original audio drama. Now, here's where things get particularly fascinating. Garen is having nightmares about her father and thinks that her father is in danger and that if she takes off, she has the ability to possibly help him. Now, she's a lot younger, comparatively speaking, than Anakin Skywalker was when Anakin went off to try to rescue his mother. But it's a similar situation, having nightmares about her parent or his parent and the danger that that parent is in and wanting to go save them. And I thought that was particularly interesting considering that I don't think Obi-Wan ever knew that Anakin was having nightmares about Shmi and wouldn't have been an interesting thing if they had had that kind of conversation and that might have played into, you know, some of their backstory, but it's one of those like near miss things, if you will, like, oh gosh, if only Anakin had said something to Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan could have said, Yeah, I kind of dealt with that. A friend of mine in the Kaibuck clan when I was a youngling was having this same issue. I mean, you know, if Anakin had opened up to anyone, but you know, <laughs> Monday morning quarterbacking, as it were. And I think that that's a An interesting thing too about these stories is we go back and fill in details on things, you get these sort of like, ooh, if only kinds of moments in the storytelling with these new details that we're learning. And I haven't yet encountered a situation where I've been like, Oh, with that new detail they're adding in the backstory, that really just makes, you know, other canon storytelling just not make sense. Like, I haven't had that experience yet. If you've had that experience, I'd love to hear about that. Just, you know, curious, so chime in, either at SW7x7.com for this episode, or on YouTube at youtube.com SW7x7, where the video version of this is. I'd love to hear about it. Anyway, so Garen decides that she's gonna leave the Jedi Temple, and Obi-Wan knows or thinks that she he shouldn't leave the Jedi Temple, so he goes after her, and he describes Coruscant as a metropolitan abyss, which I thought was a great turn of phrase. Anyway, so they are in the lower levels. He's trying to track her down, but then he runs afoul of some ugly people. He tries a Jedi mind trick, which works on a Rodian, but doesn't work on everyone, and so then he has to start using the Force to try to fight. He doesn't have a lightsaber with him, and he says that it's like being in water and yet not quite knowing how to swim him his experience of using the force in that moment and I thought that was pretty cool too and it turned out that Garen like realized the commotion was happening but it also turned out that Garen had arranged with somebody who come to find out later is a lieutenant in Black Sun that this person was going to get Garen off world but when she realized that Garen and this newcomer are both Jedi she tries to you know handcuff him and take him captive and then they break free and Obi Wan says, you know, come back to the temple. And she says, no, Garen does. I can't. I'm going to go rescue my father. And so he lets her go and then goes back to the temple himself. Who's waiting there for him when he gets back? But Yoda. And Yoda knows that she's gone and, you know, says, well, yeah, there's new wisdom that you've learned here today as a result of all of these situations. And you can think about it while you're busy and he force calls a broom over to him and makes obi-wan start sweeping up random places in the jedi temple and that little moment of you know the broom flying and then obi-wan a young kid obi-wan sweeping really kind of gave me feels for the very ending of the last jedi like a little mop-haired kid with the broom and the force and whatnot going yeah i definitely got some last jedi vibes out of that too But the lesson that Yoda thinks that Obi-Wan has learned is that there's only one person in the galaxy who's going to be able to keep him safe, Obi-Wan safe, and that's Obi-Wan himself. He'd been looking to Garen to be a safe haven, as it were, and a support. And that also is really kind of fascinating because if one of Anakin's big issues was attachment, then it's kind of one of Obi-Wan's issues too and he correctly identifies what Garen is experiencing as fear and says like you have to let it go i know you're afraid for your father but you know we're not about fear you have to let it go and she goes off and does what she does but In the same story, he also talks about attachments because she's holding on to a particular kind of silver medallion that she uses to pay Black Sun for transit off-world, and Obi-Wan says, you're not supposed to have that, like, we're not supposed to have attachments, and she says, well, I'm getting rid of it, so there you go. But Obi-Wan is definitely attached to Garen as, you know, somebody who, you know, he bonds with and somebody who, he says at that time, is his only friend in the Kaibuck clan. So there are these neat parallels to Anakin's story in the backstory that we're learning about Obi-Wan over the course of these last few years or so. And I feel like it's one of those situations where, you know how, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily think about your parents' lives or, you know, what's going on in their inner space. That's kind of what's happening here. I mean, I think we've gotten a lot of perspective from the movies. Certainly, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are from, you know, Anakin's point of view or very well centered on him and not necessarily so much on what's going on with Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're finding out that there are a lot of parallels between their two experiences, which I guess kind of makes sense, being both brought up in the Jedi Order, and if only they could have been more open with each other about these sort of things, then who knows how different the galaxy could have been. So, anyway, there you go. That is my look at the first of the five issues of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and some of the highlights and big themes to pay attention to and I do want to give a quick shout out to Tim McMahon for helping make these comic reviews and discussions possible and that's going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be